Good morning, folks, and welcome. Please would you turn to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1 for a few sermons going forward into the future. Ephesians chapter 1. One day, a labor official was asked to interview some workers in a granite quarry. And so he walked down into the quarry and he discovered it to be incredibly hot, dry, dusty. The conditions were tough. He looked around to see if he could find a man to interview and there was a worker nearby who was streaked with sweat and grime. He walked up to him um, and he said, good morning, what is it that you're doing? And the quarryman turned to him looking a little bit frustrated and irritated because he thought it was obvious what he was doing. He said, well, can't you see I'm, I'm cutting these blocks out of this lump of granite, they're building blocks. Now the official realized that he wasn't going to get much uh, input or joy from this particular worker, so he turned around to see if he could find a different proposition altogether. And he saw a man, as he started walking towards him, who was just gently wiping away the granite chips from his block. And he had a sort of a serene look on his face. So he thought, now, oh, well, this is my man. So he went up to him and he said, good morning. I wonder if you could tell me what you're doing. And the man turned to him and he said, I am, we are busy building a cathedral and this block that I'm making here is going to be used in it. And then a sort of faraway look came across his face and the official wished that he could share the vision that this man had of an amazing cathedral filled with the praises of God. It makes a difference, doesn't it, when circumstances are tough, when we're working in hardship, to have a very clearly defined purpose. And so that's why we're going to be talking about purpose, because the book of Ephesians is all about purpose. It's about your purpose as a Christian. It's about our purpose as a local church body. And then it's about the purpose of the universal church of God moving forward according to the plan that God has already willed and purposed going forward into the future. So in order to fulfill this purpose that we have, we need to be equipped. If you can imagine for a moment an officer in the army, maybe a lieutenant who's in charge of a platoon, he's been asked to guard a particular bridge against all odds. Now he needs to have authority over his men, otherwise he's not going to be able to guard that bridge. And he needs to have the power to reinforce that authority. And then both he and his men need to have, need to have arms and ammunition. So we need to be equipped in order to fulfill the purposes that God has for us. And so the first part of chapter 1 in Ephesians is about the blessings with which God has equipped us so that we can fulfill his purposes. And over the next two sermons, this is the outline that I'm going to be following. Today, first of all, the character of those blessings. What are they like? What type of blessings are they? And then secondly, the past blessing of election. And then going forward into the next sermon, the present blessing of adoption and then the future blessings of unification. So the character of the blessings, the past blessing of election, the present blessing of adoption, and the future blessing 
of unification. Let's pick up our Bibles and, and turn to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, and have a look at Paul's greeting and blessing. It was important in those days to follow a, a particular order in your letter, and Paul follows it to a T here. First of all, you need to introduce yourself, and then you need to proclaim a blessing over the people to whom you're writing. So let's have a look at it. It starts, Paul. So we know that this letter was written by Paul. It seems obvious, but some, let, some letters and epistles in the Bible, we weren't sure who wrote them, like Hebrews, for example. And then it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. This is also unique. It was a very special thing to be an apostle. You wouldn't think so in, in this day and age where almost every person is calling themselves an apostle. But according to the Bible, an apostle is someone who has been commissioned by Christ, and it was someone who had met Christ in his resurrected body. And so, because an apostle had been commissioned by Christ, it was also according to the will of God. Paul, an apostle of Christ, by the will of God. Just stop there for a moment. I think it sometimes comes as a surprise to us that God has a will. We are so strong on our own will and what we've determined and what we want, it comes as a shock to us that God has a will. And this is one of the major themes of this particular letter. So whenever you see that word will popping up, just allow your antenna to, to be alerted. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus. That word saints is in the Greek is literally the holy ones, which is very special because the way God sees us is as holy people, which means that we are set apart for a special purpose that he has in mind for us to do. And it also means that in his sight, we are holy and blameless. So to the saints who are in Ephesus. Ephesus was a key place in Asia Minor. Um, it became a center of missions activity. And we read in Acts that all the areas around heard the gospel from Ephesus. The church that started in Ephesus took the gospel around. And these saints are described as being faithful. This is so important, folks. Since God has blessed us, we also need to be faithful to carry out His purpose and His will. And already we can see that there are two wills at play here. First of all, there's the will of God, and then there's our will, which needs to be brought into line with God's will by being faithful. More on that later. Then it says, in Christ Jesus. Now this is a very important theme that's repeated throughout the letter. And it's mentioned so many times. And there are all sorts of blessings that accrue to us as a result of being in Christ Jesus. So once again, just keep your eyes open for that particular phrase as we move through this letter in the weeks ahead. Then Paul moves on to a blessing or a benediction. A benediction is when we proclaim, it's a prayer, when we proclaim some sort of a blessing over somebody. And I hope that you use benedictions because they're wonderful things. We should use them for our friends. We should use them for our family. So he says 
grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's reflect on this for a, a moment. First of all, grace to you. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. And so he's praying that we would experience the unmerited favor and blessings of God in our daily lives. And of course, we desperately need that, especially when times are tough and we're struggling in our circumstances. Grace to you. And then he says, and peace. And I'm sure that most of us would recognize that no matter what's going on in our lives, if we have a sense of peace, then it's so much easier to cope with our circumstances. So these are things that we desperately long for. So he says, grace to you and peace from God. And so there is a very real sense here in which Paul is partnering with God to initiate a blessing of grace and peace. The, the grace and the peace comes from God, but it is initiated by Paul as he proclaims the, breast, the blessing. And that's why benedictions are such a wonderful thing. Maybe when you say goodbye to your friend, you just say, Jono, grace and peace to you. Because we want it to come, boom, from God to them as a result of our prayer made on the basis of faith. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. Isn't it wonderful to know that God is our Father, that the relationship between us and God is the relationship of a father with his son or his daughter. And we all know that good fathers know just how to bless their children. And that's why it's so good to know that when we pray this, that the blessings are coming from God and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's move on now to the character of the blessings, which we find in verse 3. Let's read it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Paul starts off, blessed be. In other words, praise be to God. And in the original Greek, he starts a sentence here in verse 3 that continues without interruption or punctuation all the way to the end of verse 14. That's how excited he, he is. That's how full of praise he is as he starts to consider these blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. Blessed be. But let's have a look now at the source. What is the source of these blessings? Remember, we were talking about the character of the blessings. Well, where do they come from? It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. In other words, the source of these blessings is God himself. It is God who has blessed us through Christ. What about the type? What type of blessings are these? He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Now this is interesting because in many ways we are influenced by the spiritual realm but we're still confined in the world which is three-dimensional and governed by time. And yet these are spiritual blessings. Where do they come from? Where are they located? They are located in the heavenly places. We qualify for every spiritual blessing that there is in the heavenly places. And folks, 
I just love this. The fact that these blessings are in a dim dimension that transcends time and space means that whatever's going on here on earth is not going to influence or affect those spiritual blessings. We'll still be able to receive them. They'll still hold sway in our lives. This is remarkable and it's such a firm foundation on which to build our lives. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You know, as Jesus said, rust is not going to destroy it. Moths are not going to eat it. It's not going to be stolen. It's there for us or they are there for us in the heavenly places. But how on earth do we get to tap into these spiritual blessings when we are confined by space and time? What is the link? How are we linked to these blessings that are out of space and time in God's space, if you like? And the link is Christ. We have been blessed in Christ because I am in Christ and Christ is in me. It means that I am linked to those spiritual blessings which are in the heavenly places. Let's have a look also at the quality. So we've talked about the source of the blessings, the type, their spiritual, the location, they're in heavenly places, the link. We access them through being in Christ. What about the quality? Well, verse 4 starts with the phrase, even as, even as he chose us in him. So verse 3 tells us that God has blessed us at some time in the past. And he did it even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That phrase, even as, is used to talk about two actions or events that are happening at the same time. So we could say, even as the Ministry of Health was making plans for lockdown, people were dying in hospital. So people were dying in hospital at the same time as the plans for lockdown were being made. So this blessing in verse 3 happened when God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. But this is a bit strange because in a sense, the clock only started ticking, the clock of time only started ticking when the world was created. So this is saying that we were blessed at a time when there was no time. These blessings are out of time, which is an incredible thing to think of. Just imagine, for example, a helicopter standing above a long procession or a parade of people. The helicopter is out of the parade, it's above the parade, it can see the start of the parade, and it can also see the end of the parade. It's apart from the parade. And in the same way, the blessings that we have in Christ are out of time. And so they can bless us, they have blessed us in the past, they bless us in the present, and they bless us into the future when we get taken into the dimensions of eternity. Such incredible blessings. And then the other quality of these blessings is that they are relational. It says that we are blessed so that we should be holy and blameless before him. This speaks of relationship because I can only be 
in relationship with someone when I'm in right standing with that person. And so every one of us has rebelled against God. We're not children of God until he's adopted us. We are rebels. We are enemies. But since we become blameless and holy before him or in his sight, it's now possible for there to be a relationship. So that's another wonderful characteristic of these blessings is that they are relational. God wants to be in a relationship with us. So that's the character of the blessings. Let's move on now to the past blessing of election. And you'll notice that I've introduced a new word there, election. Let's just talk about that word and see how it fits into verses 4 and 5. So let's answer that question, what is election? Well, it has to do with choice. Have a look at verse 4. It says there, even as he chose us in him, in other words, chose us in Christ, before the foundation of the world. This speaks of the fact that God chose you before the world was created. He's got a will, he makes choices, and he chose you. Verse 5 says, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. And he did it in love. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. Now, maybe you're beginning to wonder, well, what does this mean? Because surely I chose God. Doesn't the song go, I have decided to follow Jesus? Did God choose me or did I choose God? And the answer is yes. God chose you and you chose God. But God chose you before you chose him. And he did it in such a way that he didn't compromise your free will and your choice. You still made a real choice when you chose God. He didn't override your free will. And yet he chose you before the creation of the world. There are other words which are used to describe this concept, the idea of God's sovereignty and man's free will. God has got a plan. And his plan is worked out in great detail in accordance with his purpose and his will. And within that plan, man is still making choices. And those are real choices. He doesn't override man's free will. And he, man will be held accountable for those choices. And those two truths that God chose and we chose hold true at the same time. And folks, this can lead to a lot of clutter in our minds. Um, and I think we need to try and clear it up today because remember, this is not an intellectual curse. This is a blessing, this idea that God has chose us before the creation of the world. So let's try and clear away some of the clutter. The first step in clearing away the clutter is to recognize that the doctrine of election involves a paradox. A paradox is when you have two truths that seem to exclude each other or or to oppose each other, and yet they hold together. So let me give you an example. Jesus is one person, but he has two natures. He has a divine nature, and he has a human nature. So although he is one person, he is fully God, and he's also fully man. It's a paradox. 
Think of the Trinity. This is another paradox that we've got used to. Um, we have one God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are equal in substance and in power and in glory. It just doesn't seem to make sense. You have two different truths, one God in three persons that seem to oppose each other. And the reason why is because paradoxes are inevitable when God tries to explain spiritual realities to people in a physical world. You see, God lives in his space, which has got I don't know how many more dimensions than our space. And in his space, these truths are perfectly logical. They hold together. But when he explains them to us in our space, they seem to be contradictory. Let me give you an example of this. Just imagine for a moment that there's a world here which is entirely two-dimensional. So the people who live in this world are only in two dimensions. They're on this world. If I take the cylinder and I place it on their world, they'll come and walk around it and all they'll see is a circle. They're totally unaware of everything else around them because they only live in two dimensions. And then if I take that cylinder and turn it on its side and punch it through their world, it's going to punch a hole that is rectangular in shape. Now I could say to those people, in our world there is such a thing as a cylinder which is both a circle and a rectangle. And they would say that's impossible. And of course in their world it seems like a circle and a rectangle are mutually exclusive. But in our world they hold together in a cylinder. So paradoxes are inevitable and we need to learn to accept them. The other thing that we need to do, the second step if you like, in clearing away the clutter is to sweep away fear. Why would that be the case? Well, I suppose some people might be starting to think, well, if God decided before the creation of the world whether I was going to be a Christian or not, what happens if he decided that I'm not a Christian? And that starts to cause fear to rise up. And for me, the best way to answer that question and that concern is to think about love. Let me tell you what I mean. At the end of verse 4 and the start of verse 5, it says, In love he predestined us. So the reason why God chose you is because he loved you and he loves you. Now, love means that there needs to be a reciprocal a a relationship, doesn't it? I cannot be in love with someone if they're not in love with me. And so what happens is God chose that you were going to be a believer. He, in love, he chose. And then the, as you start to, to go through life, you start to hear the gospel message. This is called calling in the Bible. God starts to call you. And then faith rises up and you accept the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ and you get adopted into God's family. All of that, um, what it does is it stirs up in you a love relationship with God. 
you're put right with God and you enter into a love relationship with God. And so what I would say is that if you are in a place where you just love God, you love Him, as the Bible says, with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Yes, sometimes you make mistakes, but by and large, you love Him and you're not loving Him and serving Him because you want to earn something from Him. You've already received salvation. Then I would say you've been chosen. And if you're a little bit uncertain, I would say just keep pressing in to God. But the very fact that you're concerned about it would imply to me that you are chosen and that you're saved. Remember, perfect love drives out fear. Just fall in love with God. Don't concern yourself with whether you've been chosen or not, because if you love him, you have. And then the other fear that we have is, well, what happens if one of our loved ones hasn't been chosen? And the truth there is that we don't know who has been chosen and who hasn't been chosen. We are called to love God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And so whoever it is that you're concerned about, just keep on loving them to their very last breath. We don't know who's been chosen and who hasn't. And so we must full, fulfill the work we've been called to do. We must proclaim the gospel. We must be faithful as the Ephesians were and leave it up to God what he's going to do and what he's already decided. And then the last step in clearing the clutter is to recognize the dangers. Folks, if we try and reconcile a paradox in our own minds, we'll end up emphasizing one truth over the other truth. And what often happens in life is certain people are, are more predisposed towards God's sovereignty than they are to man's will and other people work in the other direction. So those people who kind of fancy the idea of God's sovereignty, they can end up emphasizing that so much that they say to themselves, well, what's the point of praying for my friend? Because if God has chosen that they're going to be a Christian, it's going to happen irrespective of whether I pray or not. Can you see how the sovereignty of God is being overemphasized? Yes, God is sovereign, but he chooses to work through our will. And so we need to exercise our will. We need to be faithful. We need to do what he's called us to do, to preach the gospel, to love people and to pray for people. Another example of this happening is, for example, someone who's trying to reconcile these two truths um, and they're tending towards the free will of man. So what they would say is, that before the creation of the world, God had a look into time. He saw that Ian Ray chose to be a Christian, and so he predestined that Ian would become a Christian. But if that were the case, God's predestination and his choice would depend on my choice, because he'd be looking to see how I chose. So this is another danger that we need to avoid. Let's not try and put these things together Let's believe that they, both of these truths apply and live our lives accordingly. And then just lastly on this past blessing of election, let's just have a look at the nature of the blessing. It says in verse 5, In love he predestined us 
for adoption as sons. I think it's so special that the reason why God chose you is because he wanted to have a love relationship with you. He wanted to have a family relationship with you. It's like parents who decide to have children. They do it in love. They do it because they want to have children. They want to open up a space, if you like, at the table so that they can all share love together. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons. He adopted us. He chose us to be sons. He wasn't looking for slaves. He wasn't looking for people who would go and work in his fields. He was looking predominantly for sons and daughters who would live with him, who would love him, who would enjoy him, who would trust him in love. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. Let's also have a look at the idea that Jesus chose us because that choice speaks of the fact that because he is sovereign, because he works out everything in accordance with his will, when he says, I am working in all things for your good, we know that that is true. That is the case because he is a sovereign God who is big enough and strong enough and powerful enough and wise enough and knowledgeable enough to make sure that happens. His choice of us is sort of like the basis that he works out everything for our good. Have a look at Romans 8.28. It says there, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now Paul tries to find the best reason that he can think of to prove that this is the case, that God can work in all things for our good. And this is what he comes up. He says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined. And then he goes on to say, Those who he predestined, he called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he glorified. In other words, if God has initiated that train of events which will end up with you being glorified in heaven, because he's sovereign, it is going to happen. And he will be able to make everything that happens in your life work for your good. And now you can see why this is such a tremendous blessing to us. The last thing I'd like to look at is the fact that it is to the praise of his glorious grace. He has chosen us, he's predestined us to the praise of his glorious grace. This means that you have been chosen irrespective of what you did or what you haven't done, even before you became a Christian or even as a Christian, he chose before those things. And so this means that our salvation, our choice does not depend or God's choice of us does not depend on our work and on the things that we have or haven't done. They're offered to us as a free gift. Folks, in closing, let's spend time this week reading and meditating on this particular passage of Scripture. Let's think about the spiritual gifts that God has given us in Christ Jesus. And let's start to think about how we can be faithful to use these gifts, these blessings, in order to fulfill the purposes that God has for us. And of course, in the weeks ahead, 
that purpose is going to become apparent. Thank you so much for spending time with us today and for, for signing in with us. I pray for God's rich blessings on your life in accordance with the scripture in the week ahead. Goodbye for now.